Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. Join fast-growing Shopify brands and give your subscription business the charge it needs with Upscribe. Leverage out-of-the-box tools to deliver a powerful customer experience, drive growth, and save you time and money. Learn more at Upscribe.io slash Winning with Shopify and mention that you learned about Upscribe through Winning with Shopify to get your first two months free. Now, over to our host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anyone that's not tuned in before, my name's Nick, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. If you get a chance to, and you think today's content is good, then please go and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening to us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Alexa, all the above. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've been listening for a while, then welcome back. I have a very special announcement, which is why I'm sitting here without a guest to start today's show. Um, we've had a lot of complaints recently, and I'm delighted to announce the complaints were nothing to do with the content or any of the good stuff we're doing here at, um, at Winning with Shopify. Um, the complaints were regarding our emails. We have recently moved email provider, and we sent out a note to everyone to let them know we are moving, and our email list has been running for five, six, possibly even seven years now, and is quite out of date. And unfortunately to say that a lot of Shopify stores who used to subscribe to us on email have actually gone out of business, which means we have loads of dead emails on our database. So we've taken the decision to delete the entire database or unsubscribe everybody, not delete everybody, of course, but we've unsubscribed everyone on our database now. So about 20% of you have already gone in without us even saying anything, or, or I think another 10% on top as well responded to an email we sent out. But if you want to get emails from us, we send them out every week. We also put exclusive offers on them that you will not get just by listening to the podcast. So if you want to go and check that out, um, the way to resubscribe or subscribe fresh if you haven't already is go to the winningwithshopify.com website. So no, there's no vert at the start. It's just winningwithshopify.com. So go on there, subscribe to any of the um, different, there's lots of different widgets talking about our news letter go and subscribe to any of those that will subscribe you back in and apart from that that is it for today i'm going to hand over now to myself um, for the actual episode i hope you enjoy this and i hope you find this week's episode useful see you in a second So hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. As you've probably seen by the title, we're talking about influencer marketing, which I'm super excited about because we don't cover this topic very often. And I've got an amazing guest um, who I'll introduce now. He's going to be joining me today to talk about this. His name's Arnand, and he's the founder of a company called Aspire. So without further ado, Arnand, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, and as we do with all of our guests, why don't you give us a quick overview to it, what Aspire is, who they are, um, and also a little bit of background to yourself as well. Yeah, started uh, Aspire about uh, nine years ago now. We were the first software platform in the influencer marketing space. And uh, really the, the framework for the company is to empower merchants to drive growth in ways that are owned and, and, and sustainable, profitable, and authentic. Uh, you know, I think uh, word of mouth is always the best way to grow. And our view is that, you know, we have an opportunity to help support merchants and in driving that kind of uh, sustainable growth at, at scale through a variety of different strategies. Myself, I, I actually come from uh, was an electrical engineering undergrad and then uh, worked in finance for a few years at Goldman and then a hedge fund and then um, you know started this business right at the first wave of, of that influencer, the rise of the influencer, modern influencer with uh, Instagram kind of uh, launching and then you know YouTube going mobile back in 2012-2013. Um, so we've just kind of seen the industry evolve from the very beginning. Um, and it's been uh, a hell of a ride. 
Nice, nice. I mean, that's one hell of a switch as well to go from suddenly like Goldman Sachs kind of influence, you know, to then influence marketing from banking. What was it that drove you to make the switch quickly? I mean, we won't go too much of a tangent with this, but yeah, what, what made you make that switch? Was it just completely um, like a hobby that you want to take more seriously or did you see the sort of financial investment side of it? What drove you to make that, make that change? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, candidly, it was just a very good friend of mine was running an e-commerce business kind of in the days of the first subscription box wave. And they were seeing incredible performance um, working with YouTubers and Instagrammers to the orders of magnitude, better performance than what they were getting on paid channels by tapping into these creators. And, and, and they were doing it at scale. So they're running programs at, at large scale. So kind of, you know, that, that caught my attention. Initially, I thought, to be honest, it was going to be more of an arbitrage. Um, and I thought it was going to be a, kind of a shorter term thing. But as, as, as you peel the onion of this, of this space, I think one of the really interesting things is you realize just how enormous, um, you know, all of this is right at the end of the day, what we're talking about is everyone having a voice and, and everyone is an influencer today. And, and so, uh, you know, I think we, I could never have imagined how, uh, how quickly and how fast, uh, how, how, how scaled this space has become at that point. But, uh, uh, it was uh, really by happenstance, to be honest. Nice, nice. And it's, it's been an amazing space. Like we were chatting a little bit before we hit record that, yeah, I've, I've worked with influencers. I've seen the impact of influencers. And I, that that initial YouTube wave, I remember um, back in sort of 2012, 2013, when it was suddenly like, you know, people doing, um, it was before like the ice bucket challenge and stuff, but it was around that kind of time where yeah. people just making funny videos and people, you know, in terms of viewers, we were all going crazy for it. It was just, it's almost like TV had become digital and anyone could start a TV channel out of nowhere but it was a tv channel where you only you only have live when you want um and you know you can sort of edit things put things up but i remember there were there was so many different um things going on i certainly think that the space has obviously changed a lot since that time as well i think technology's moved a long way and yeah. also the partnerships but for anyone that's listening right now and thinking like oh my gosh i am well out my depth like let's start with the basics quickly we'll just get these things cut what is an influencer uh, just in the traditional sense in a traditional sense, I think it's uh, it's really just somebody who has built an online audience in some way, shape, or form. So that could be uh, a blog where where they have a consistent audience that that um, checks them out, or uh, on YouTube or Instagram or any of the social channels. Really, you know, I think the the definition of an influencer is broadening. Um, so when you think about you know the Kim Kardashians of the world, all the way down to your next door neighbor who who puts up funny videos on TikTok. Um, you know, <laughs> yep. everyone now is an influencer. And so I think that's, that's really the, the biggest evolution, which is, I think we've gone from this world where it was kind of this very narrow band of, of folks who were willing to put content out consistently and who really took it seriously as, as a, in, maybe it started as a hobby, but then it became actually a real job for a lot of folks. I think now it's, we're, we're kind of in a, in a different universe where everyone has that opportunity and everyone has that willingness to really share themselves. And I think that that's really broadened the market dramatically. One other um, thing to the, to the point about the evolution of space, your, uh, you know, your comment about mm. how things were in 2012, 2013, I think it's uh, important to remember Facebook launched on mobile in October of 2012 and YouTube launched their mobile app right around then, right? They, there was no mobile experience, mobile app uh, for, for Facebook at all at that point. Mm. And we're so um, used to so it now even as well. Think about, like, yeah, it's the idea that Facebook wouldn't have a mobile app is so crazy, right? But I think that that like in 2012, 2013, when they when the mobile app started to launch, uh, I think the other variable that changed here was consumption just skyrocketed, right? It wasn't just like people, their ability to create content on on their phones, but also just people were now consuming content all 
pretty much 24 seven. And so I think those two kind of things in concert really like kicked off this, uh, this renaissance and uh, the creator economy. Yeah. And I think the other thing to think about as well as video, the thing you didn't mention that also I think coupled in with that was actually just internet connections. Cause I mean, we all remember the days of like dial up and yeah, I heard on the radio the day they were like, do you remember this? And they played the dial up tone and it was like, oh my gosh. Um, you know, absolutely horrendous where it's like, you know, if somebody then phoned you, your, whatever you were doing on the internet stopped because the phone had rung and how far we've come from that, which is uh, yeah, bizarre. But I mean, even, even today, the rollout of 5g is changing things because now, you know, you can access content so quickly, which then changes the technologies. For example, when you're scrolling through YouTube now, videos start playing quickly just while you're scrolling through a list of videos to choose which one to watch. Whereas you couldn't do that on a slow internet connection because you just get this like loading screen on all of them and you wouldn't know what any of them are. So I think, yeah, so much has changed, but the basic principle is not, is it? um, But as you say, I think it's it's widened that anyone now has an influence over something, whether it's you sharing just to your, you know, 200 Facebook friends saying like, check out this t-shirt I bought last week um, or this new car I've got. Right the way through to, as you say, the Kardashians, you know, whenever they wear, you know, you're going to get a certain level of sales off the back of that, which is why they're so heavily monetized. Um, so I guess, I mean, there's some obvious stuff we've kind of mentioned, but what what's the real value to a merchant? Like when we're looking at something like Shopify, what's the value to somebody of finding some influencers and working with some some partners who, as you well described, somebody that has an audience? Yeah, I would say maybe, um, you know, I think that the core premise here is I don't know any business that wouldn't want an advocate, no matter what kind of business you are, right? Whether you're in Shopify or B2B company or anything else, I think um, having somebody who can share your story um, on your behalf in a way that's authentic, you know, in a way that resonates with their audience, it's it's a no-brainer. You know, every 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 company wants that and, and would love to have it. Um, and so I think the, uh, the the value is really in like that advocacy. It's a, it's in the um, ability to drive uh, word of mouth. It's in the ability to create that content, the storytelling that can then be repurposed across a variety of different places. You know, one of the ways we talk about it is uh, influencer marketing um, is really both a column and a row in, in your marketing stack. Right? It it it, it can be both um, you know awareness oriented, but it can it can actually impact the full funnel as well. Right? From awareness consideration and purchase because. When you, when you get that content, you can then reuse it in a variety of different ways. And that content then impacts uh, conversion rates and performance across your own and earned channels. So I think uh, it's, it's, it's one of the ways I describe it internally is like, it's like Chevron with Techron, right? <laughs> it's, it, 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 makes your, it makes your engine run better across the board if you do it well. It can be a really powerful tool. Hmm. I think really interesting point, actually, just to, just to pull off the back of that is that... I think a lot of us look at influencer marketing, us, when we say us as in merchants or advertisers, we look at influencer marketing as very much at the top of the funnel. And it's a sort of like, okay, we can hit a, someone who's got a million followers on YouTube, they push out a video and it gets 100,000 views, 10% of their audience. Okay, there's 100,000 people that have seen our brand, happy days. But actually one of the things that's really expanded over the last 10 years as well is things like unboxing videos, which actually I would say at the bottom of the funnel now, I know I'm going to get a new fitness watch, which one shall I get? And I find a video of somebody unboxing like, you know, an Apple watch, a Fitbit watch, a Garmin watch and compare them all. And actually you're at the bottom of the funnel now. You've made your decision. I'm buying this product. Um, you know, I'm looking at this product, but actually then now the question is, which one am I buying and what are the benefits? So then watching an unboxing video of people going, well, this one's, you know, well, let's open up this one. Well, this one's got GPS. So if you go out for a run, you don't need to, which I know is like old technology now, but it's a good example of something that not all of them would have had at one point. Therefore, which one am I going to buy? So, I mean, un- unboxing has become such a popular thing as well as stuff like house tours. People go around their house and they say, yeah, I bought this from this shop, this from this 
shop. You know, here's my sofa, my TV, my fireplace, whatever it is. You know, I, I've actually found myself, you know, we've moved house recently. I found myself watching these videos and find deciding what to buy for the house. So, but there's a whole industry started around that kind of thing, isn't there? Where you're sending out a free product and people are very much a bottom of funnel decide to buy yours as a result of watching one of those. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, so we, we spoke at the Meta Performance Marketing Summit recently and, and you know, Meta had a Performance 5 framework and two out, of the, two out of the five were tied directly to creators, right? Leaning into creators as a direct response channel was, was you know, number two on their list and leaning on creators to drive content to power all of your channels was number three on their list. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think this idea that um, creators are just top of funnel is, is, it was kind of the first version. I think we now have the infrastructure and the scale of this market is, is such that uh, you can actually track and measure performance in a really meaningful way. The other thing I'd say is like, um, you know, as it relates to performance here, you know, being able to lean into creators um, also from an uh, ads perspective, right? Um, to run allow listing through them where you can actually run ads through their account. Yeah, that's another way, you know, at the end of the day, consumers want to purchase products that they have confidence yeah. in. And um, just seeing one ad in their newsfeed is not is not going to be enough, right? He, I think uh, Meta had actually released some research that indicated that um, the average consumer requires something uh, in the range of 12 touch points to make a purchasing decision now. Um, consumers are just more educated. They have, they have all the information at their fingertips. They want to do their research. They want to understand what products they're going to buy. So being able to earn that trust with them is really important, right? No matter what kind of product you are, you, you need to earn trust to, to get somebody to, to you know, make a purchase online with you. And so um, I think having these voices who can help build that, you know, kind of surround sound, you know, dynamic for your product and articulate the value prop and, and articulate like why they purchased it in their own voice and bring it to life. Um, I think, you know, I think of creators in that context as a proxy for personalization, right? They're, they're bringing it to life in their own way and, and in a way that with their audience, it's, it's almost like they're, they're the last mile, right? From, from the value prop of your product to, the, to actually getting it into the consumer's hands. Like they, they can be that translation layer to, to make that happen. So I think um, thinking about it in that way uh, opens up the, the frame here from just being a top of funnel thing to actually truly being top of funnel, mid funnel and, and, you know, bottom of funnel conversion as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think you've raised a really, really interesting point on that, actually. It's as great as it is having them all the way through the funnel, through the different points of the funnel. I mean, you mentioned 12 touch points. I mean, it depends which report you read, but they're all similar in terms of people don't just, I mean, I, I might think I do. I might think I just look online and go, right, I, I want one of those. I found one. I'm buying it right now. But that, you know it's not true. Something's influenced you to do that probably for quite a long time. You might have seen people wearing it in the street. You might have heard about it on the radio. You might have seen it on a TV advert or um, someone sent you a text message about it. Or you've had a conversation with somebody about it. You know, you don't just make stuff up out of thin air. It's information that's um, passed through. But I think an interesting point that'd be worth talking about now as well is when you're working with an influencer or a, a group of influencers, um, we'll talk about the different types in a minute, but there's so much more content that can be had than just, again, I'm, I'm going to use my really kind of one track mind when I first saw influence that was like, okay, you've got a big audience, just go and mention us and people will start putting stuff in the cart and purchasing it. And there's a lot more you can get out of that. 
So everything from, for example, if they shoot lots of video content, could you use those as adverts? Could you put them on your website? For example, if they do an unboxing video of the product, do you want to use that on your, um, you know, once somebody's bought a product, show them what's going to turn up now. Here's a video of somebody else unboxing it. Enjoy this process. You know, we spend a lot of money and time on our packaging and it's really cool. Um, or you could use that on a product page to say, here are 10 different people unboxing the product on a video and then playing with the product so you can actually see what it does see how it works and these are tech experts talking about a piece of technology but my my point being is there's so much more you can get out of an influencer relationship isn't there than just pumping out the odd tweet going go and buy this yeah i think um you know one of the ways we think about this to that point is is really it's about community engagement and i think there are a couple different lenses there one is like when when we when I say the word community, you know, what we're talking about and what our customers are talking about when they use the word community also is this idea that like everybody matters, right? And so that could be an influencer, it could be an ambassador, it could be an affiliate, it could be a customer for a, for a CPG brand. It might be their distributors or their retailers, right? Their retail partners. It could be for a larger retailer, it could be their employees, right? Like there are all of these concentric circles of individuals that matter to a business that are high value and high impact. And then there, there are different ways that those people matter, right? So you can, you can create content with them. You can um, have them post on social, which is obviously the most, you know, most well-known model of engagement. Um, you can have them come to an event. You can ask them for feedback. You can do a sneak peek on a new product with them. You can uh, have them generate review content for you, right? There's, there's a huge range of engagement models here um, in terms of how you can connect with people and then what are the outcomes that they can drive for you. And so, you know, I think the very simplistic view on all of this is, hey, I'm working with somebody who has followers on a social media channel and they're going to go post on social. That's certainly one one kind of like path here, right? But there's there's really an infinite number of paths. And, and I would even argue that like, you know, a lot of this is goes beyond people who have a social media presence, right? Like there are a lot of people who have influence in ways that may not be visible on social, um, right? Like you have this concept of people who are in Discord communities or in Slack communities or, um, you know, in, in real life communities who can actually have a, a huge impact on your business. And so I think taking that lens of casting a really wide net um, across a variety of people, uh, not necessarily making assumptions about what what's going to work, right? You can have some hypotheses about who might be a value to you but I think kind of going into it with an open mind. And I think, you know, one critical piece of that uh, that, that I would really want to call out is like, I think there's this preconceived notion that like to work with creators requires a lot of money. And I just, I, I don't think that's true because I think in fact, um, you know, oftentimes the best ways to engage is to, to take a very test and invest kind of approach where you're, where you're engaging with a lot of people, maybe gifting free product driving affiliate-based commission programs. Obviously, some people will require payment, and, and for those folks, you might have to do an upfront payment initially. But I think you can get a lot of value out of, uh, out of doing this in a more scrappy way. And then, and then figuring out what to double down on, right? I think once you figure out those people uh, or those types, the types of content or the types of channels that work really well, then you can kind of go pour fuel behind that um, and, and really ramp it. I could ask you a thousand questions right now because you covered so many amazing topics. Let's let's move to one quickly and then we'll come back to some of those things, I think. And the one I want to move to, which I think is really relevant to, to everything you've just said is, and, and you said this before we hit record as well, and it'd be great to cover it now, is that there are lots of different types of influencer. Like we've spoken a little bit, you mentioned a few things about employers or whatever, but there's influencers, there's ambassadors, there's affiliates. Why don't you give us the kind of list of like, you know, these are the top ones that you could think about working with as opposed to just let's find the next Hollywood actor and, you know, pay them millions of pounds, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, obviously that, there's that celebrity too, right? Like that that's a different kind of game altogether. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they, they too have influence and, and certainly play a role in the overall space. Um, I'd say the traditional influencer uh, is, is, you know, folks who have a large scale social media following. So that could be any, you know, kind of the macro creators who have like a million plus followers uh, to the, the mid tier who may be in the, you know, half, like 200 to a million in that range. And then the, the micro and nano creators. Um, so there's even within that influencer bucket, you can have different levels of people and uh, the way you engage with each of them might be a little different, right? With the macros, you might need more formal, formal contracts. You might want to get more value out of that, more content, because they, they do this professionally. Like, you can lean into them in that context. And if you're paying, it obviously adds a level of we're putting money in. Are we going to get any out of this? Because we are a business at the end of the day. And if we don't make money, we can't do it again, which would then be a big shame. So Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the other things is, like, I think approaching it in that way of, like, hey, here's a set of guidelines, here are terms here's a contract, like actually structuring relationships in a way that makes sense. If you are working with those larger folks, I think is important. Um, and I think it actually ends up creating a lot of clarity for, for both parties. Um, and, then, and then I think it's the ambassador world. Ambassadors can be very broad, but you know, it could be people who are experts in your specific product area, or it could be, you know, customers that really are passionate or who earn a lot, um, from, from advocating for you. Um, so the, the, the ambassador world, you know, the way I think about that is it's really about long-term relationships, right? These are people who are kind of the grassroots of, uh, you know, supporters, advocates of your business. Um, and then on the affiliate side, you know, affiliate obviously has been around for a long time. I think the, the one nuance on the affiliate is, you know, there's kind of the traditional affiliate model, which is like more publisher-based affiliate and, and how we think about affiliate, which is more like people-based affiliate, right? So these are actual, you know, individuals who you might issue an affiliate link to who can then share that affiliate link on, on all of their channels and drive performance as well. So affiliates, you know, tend to be more open to like, you know, just commission-based uh, relationships and, uh, and and can kind of drive ongoing kind of a, a steady hum of, of traffic and, and sales. Uh, and then the last one, I think the probably the biggest untapped area in my view is, is customer, right? Um, your customers are, are, are your most, can be your most powerful advocate. And so leaning into those folks um, and identifying who amongst your customer are the high impact people, right? Um, you'll have people who may not have any social media following at all, but are proving to be powerful uh, advocates for you. So being able to identify those folks and who, who you know, have that, allow them to raise their hand and then figuring out programs to keep them engaged, right? And, and drive more LTV from those individuals, but also more referral from them. And incentivize them to do so. Uh, I think a lot of those folks would, would oftentimes feel very excited to be involved with the brand and, and therefore rewarded just by, you know, you engaging. Uh, and so that, that can actually drive a lot of ROI. Um, so those are probably the four big buckets. Obviously, the influencer tier, which you can segment into a few different kind of tiers within that. Then there's the ambassador, affiliate, and, and customer. I would say almost every e-commerce business is, is doing some permutation or combination of those four things, right? Um, and, and I think that forms the foundation of this this, this space. I think it's certainly if we go for sort of bottom to top quickly, customers, I mean, as, as you and a lot of our audience now are working PPC SEO, so lifetime value from customers is really important. And to be brutally honest, something we never talk about is referrals. We don't talk about customers referring their friends and saying, okay, we'll give you a half price discount off your next product if one of your friends buys one with your code. And a lot of us, a lot of us that are a little bit older, we'll remember when Uber launched and Uber, would, they did this massive deal where it's like, if your friend signs up for Uber, we will give you 20 pounds 
credit on your account and your friend will get 20 pounds credit or dollars as well. So they basically get a free ride, you get a free ride for signing up, which back in the day, this might still work if anyone wants the idea, but I set up a Google Ads account with my code and I managed to get the code Uber London and the year, which was like 2013 or something. So Uber London 2013, something like that was my code. And I put it on Google Ads using a free voucher I had on Google Ads and I managed to get a thousand pounds of Uber credit. So I didn't pay for an Uber for like two years, but then how many customers did I put on their platform? So yeah, we took it to slight extremes in the PPC agency, but yeah, it was, but, but the whole point being is that if you incentivize customers correctly, which basically was to me, I'm going to get loads of free Uber rides. But as far as Uber are concerned, well, I put, you know, if, if you put, take a thousand divided by $20, I put hundreds of customers on their platform, you know, which means they've now got hundreds of customers that are still using it. So I don't get any credit anymore, but you know, I still use Uber. And I think we forget about that a lot in marketing. We look a lot at, okay, lifetime value is how do we get a second order or a third order from a customer? And actually doing it through ambassadors, I think is, a, is an amazing way to do it. I guess a really big question then and tying this into Aspire, which is obviously, you know, your tool. And I've had a good look through the app and that sort of thing. But one, one more quick before we uh, jump to that, just to yeah, yeah. close the loop on that. I think the, uh, the other note I would make is also on the incentive side, right? How, how are you structuring incentives for customers? I think that can also be really interesting. Yeah, there's kind of the, the credit version, but I think you know, thinking more uh, holistically about that, a lot a lot of customers would value just having an opportunity to give feedback or um, you know swag or there's there's all sorts of more subtle ways yeah. to engage them too. And um, so I think thinking creatively about the reward mechanisms there, I think can also create like a lot of momentum. Mm. Yeah, programs. definitely. It was only last week I did an episode on my own about Black Friday and I was talking about do not devalue your brand with too many discounts. You've got to really think about your customer. And if it's the only time of year you're on sale, you've got to set that expectation that they can't expect sales. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of very unhappy or very unpurchasing customers post Black Friday. And that's a bit of a problem, you know, in terms of it could work so much harder for you. So, uh, yeah, so tell us more about Aspire then, because I, I understand and I, I may have this completely wrong and you'll tell me otherwise, but I understand you can find influencers, you can structure things through Shopify with your app. Is that correct? Yeah, so we're uh, we're a software platform that allows you to you know find creators to work with, manage those relationships, and streamline all, keep keep track of everything and organize it all, and then uh, understand the impact um, of of all of that on your business. In terms of the discovery piece, like how do you find creators? We have a you know the way I think about it is like outbound and inbound. Uh, we have an outbound structure where we have uh, a database of creators. Um, we're very tightly integrated with. You know, the platforms, we've always prioritized first-party data. This is, you know, kind of a really hot topic right now. Um, so, you know, ensuring that the data quality on this is, uh, you know, above board and, and credible. Um, that's something that we valued from day one. Um, so you can reach out to creators with confidence and, and, and you know, uh, engage them. We have uh, the ability to spin up, like, landing pages. I almost think of them as honeypots, right? You have landing pages, post-checkout widgets, et cetera, et cetera, where you can allow people to raise their hand and, and opt in and say, hey, I, I love your brand. I'd love to work with you. And then we have uh, a marketplace. And I think this is probably the you know most exciting and interesting part of the, the product in, in the discovery context is um, you, it's almost like a Fiverr or Upwork for creators. So you can list in the marketplace and get inbound um, from creators who are logging in and checking out opportunities to partner with brands. So uh, you know that marketplace to date has been 100% organically grown. Um, we are super excited to start ramping growth there in terms of the volume and quality of, of that ecosystem. But uh, it's a, it's a huge time saver for brands um, when you think about trying to grow your program outside of that. You know, 
uh, the way I think of it is it's, it's spamming the scale, right? You have to send a lot of messages to get people to, to respond. Right. And that's great. And I think you, you should do that as well, right? I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but I think um, the ability to, to put a listing up and, and get people who are actually taking the time and interest to submit a proposal to you and let you know why they love your product is, is just an amazing kind of time saver. So that, that's kind of the discovery side. Um, it allows you to kind of kickstart your program or scale your program once you've already got it up and running. On the management side, you know, we, we are effectively a workflow tool. So we help you, you can think of it as like an Asana, right, for, for all of the process that goes into managing a creator from contracts to digitalized management, payment escrow, scheduling, auditing, ratings and reviews, um, kind of the entire process soup to nuts. And I'd say, you know, the, the one specific thing I'd call out there is that we have a very flexible workflow tool, which allows you to really design the workflow in the way that makes the most sense for you and the relationships that you're trying to engage with. And so what, what I mean by that is the way every brand wants to engage can be subtly different. And we, we've basically given our brands a, a workflow builder where they can design their own built workflow based on how they want to work with a creator. So for example, let's say for a high-end ambassador program, you want to actually get on a FaceTime welcome call with every single creator that you're engaging with, that can be a part of that workflow process, right? And, and you can kind of check that box as you go through that. Um, so it gives you that flexibility to, you know, the way I think about it is it's it's worked with anyone in any way to drive any outcome. That's kind of the core thing that we're empowering on the, on the workflow side. And then analytics, it's, it's really about like giving you the toolkit to track sales, um, track awareness, kind of full funnel impact, you know, across channel so that you can uh, understand the uh, business impact of all the work uh, all the work on the uh, workflow side. Nice, nice. And I mean, you kind of touched on how it used to be in the old days or the alternative to not working with a tool like yours is actually you're reaching out and just sending thousands, thousands of emails, just, you know, crawling your way through YouTube manually and trying to find these people. Whereas it's amazing actually that you've built that community and you've got a community of people that want to work with brands. They want to be an influencer for e-commerce stores. Um, and I can certainly say I've not come across anything like that before, but it's incredibly powerful then from a time perspective. You can just say, we're looking for these guys and then you know, essentially messages come back from people that want to do that, which I think is amazing. On the analytics side, I'm going to ask a really techie question quickly. When you work working with someone like affiliates or you're working with Google ads, attribution is always really, really complicated. So how are you guys doing attribution? Are you planning for the cookie-less world? Like, you know, where, how does that analytics side of things actually work? Like what kind of information will it give to, a, to, to somebody to say, yes, it's working or no, it's not? Yeah, I think there are a few different ways to think about attribution. And, and you know, candidly, it's, it's not a perfect science, right? I, I think you have to kind of take a, a holistic view on this. But obviously, there's the top funnel stuff, that, that data that you get from the platforms, and, and that's, that's kind of fine. Um, I think the other vector is like, uh, you know, actually you know, the affiliate link side of things of so being able to issue affiliate links and track performance on those, being able to pixel websites and, and being able to track kind of, you know, how does, how does a person engage with this content and then what, what, what happens on the actual property, right? Um, I think uh, being able to pull that data in, we're working on additional integrations into uh, the social platforms to be able to pull in additional data on like, hey, this type of creator created this type of content that went to these types of audiences that was served to these types of audiences. 
and drive, you know, X impact, right? And so, like, um, you know, I think that's something that we're starting to see, which is really amazing from the social platforms as well, where they're, I think, really leaning into this space and they're opening up, you know, access to, to new APIs and, and things like that that'll help improve bottom of funnel reporting on that end as well. And I think it's 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 really about, like, you know, th- things like allow listing, right? Um, so being able to run ads through a creator account and then actually be able to see tangible performance, bottom of funnel performance on that. So those are those are some of the ways. I mean, obviously, there's there's more coming. Um, I would say, you know, candidly, it's not perfect, right? There's no kind of silver bullet to to figure out attribution today. But I think you know, with a bunch of these pieces, I think you can you can get there. The other the one other call out I would make is I think there's a whole new wave of of, of tools around driving um, helping creators convert more effectively as well. And I think that's another interesting area where you know, for example, like this idea of like a creator checkout page. Right, the ability to like um, check out more effectively um, once you click on a creator's content. You know, tools like that I think will open up new data po- data points as well, which will give you a better sense of you know who created what kind of content and how did that content actually perform. Yeah, and I think that that's the real key is people are paying for this stuff, so what's it actually making? And I mentioned affiliates earlier. It used to be the case that just if somebody used a certain discount code, they found the affiliate website, you know, it was that affiliate site whether whatever channel they've used, whatever Google Analytics says. Um, so yeah, having a checkout where an influencer can send someone to the site and it then tracks that user through the site to then go, they've now checked out or actually they've bought the special products that we've been promoting. Obviously gives you that gives you that sense of what's going on, but it also means that the audience, the customers can engage a bit more with that influencer. It's not just a case of, oh, they told me to click here and go here. So I have, and now I've bought something. There's a bit more engagement. You land on the website and that influencer's face is still there. You know, and they're guiding you through that journey as well, which I think uh, is really cool. So we've spoken about pretty much all the stuff we were going to cover. I guess the final question to ask, and it's always a really good one, um, I find, is if someone feels like, and they, like we said, you probably are doing something on one of those four levels you mentioned. If someone feels like they're not doing anything right now, but they're like, I want people talking about my products, I want to get the name out there. Apart from downloading your app and having a look, what, what's the first thing they should focus on? Say they've got an hour a week or a couple of hours every week, and it's like, right, I want to get some influence talking about stuff. Where's a good place to start on that? I think it's 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 as simple as you know identifying people that you think could be a good advocate, reaching out to them, building a relationship with them, uh, getting product in their hands. You know, product seeding is a tried and true way of driving growth. Um, there's a reason why product sampling happens in Costco, right? Uh, it, it, it works and, and people people like trying stuff. I love that. Um, you walk in a supermarket and they're like, would you like to try a pretzel? I'm like, yeah, of course I would. <laughs> I love a pretzel right now, yeah. And so like, I think, get, you know, I think just that idea that like, obviously if you can, right? Not all products are, are suited for product seeding, but, and if, if, if you can, I think then taking a more content-oriented approach where you're, you're uh, creating content with people, um, I think also works, but I think, yeah, just going out and building relationships with people that you think could be a good advocate, keeping an eye open for people that are reaching out to you. I think, you know, that's one thing sometimes brands can brush aside and say, Hey, I get all this inbound for people. Like I don't have time to you know manage that, et cetera, et cetera. But these are people who are taking the time to reach out and say, Hey, I, I like your product. I like your brand. Um, nurturing those relationships and trying to, trying to engage them and, and make them feel a part of, Part of what you're building, I think, um, is also a good start. And then I think the the you know one piece just to grab it and tangible ROI is like you know using an affiliate system, using coupon codes, using something that allows you to start assessing value, right? To be able to say, hey, I seeded a hundred pieces of product, or I seeded a thousand pieces of product, and we issued you know affiliate codes or, or uh, you know affiliate links or coupon codes for each of those folks. And, you know, of that, like 10% of those folks actually drive, drove a ton of value. Awesome. Let me go and re-engage those 10%. 
and uh, double down on them, right? And then go find the next uh, next set of folks that I can go engage. So taking a you know test and invest approach, kind of building that grassroots momentum. You don't have to pay money. This doesn't have to be expensive, but it does require some some effort, right? It's not as simple as uh, you know pressing a button on Facebook and running ads. Um, it does yep. require a little bit more if effort. Only. Because you have if to go <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're, we're getting there. I think we'll, we'll, we'll make it that simple soon. But, uh, but, but it's, uh, you know, it still requires a little sweat equity, obviously. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, look, it's been great to have you on the show today. Um, final thing, I mean, most important thing is, right, if anyone's sitting there listening going, what was the name of that tool, Nick? How can people reach out? How can they get in touch with you? How can they play with the app? Where do they need to go? Just uh, aspire.io is the website, and um, you know, feel free to reach out to us directly from there. And uh, we'd love to we'd love to chat. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, Arnon. It's been amazing to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Really great to connect. Thank you. Great stuff. And for everybody else listening, as always, we're back again next week. I can't say what we're doing next week because there's about seven different things floating around at the moment. So I'm sure something will land. We'll record something, and we'll be back. Um, is, is it all I can guarantee at this stage? So thanks for listening. Back again next week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.